right, we will continue our lesson on forgiving others. Forgiving others. Hopefully we get a couple points done today. As you can tell, we won't finish today. We, um, but it's okay, it's good to take our time through some of these important subjects. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and the word of God that you have given to us. And we pray that it would be a source of encouragement to us, something we look to for instruction and teaching. And Lord, when we have uh, any issues in life, that we could learn to go into your word and dig a little, study, and find the answers that will help us. Lord, as we look at this important subject of forgiving others, I think already we've learned some important lessons. I pray that today's um, truths also would be helpful to us and pray that we can apply these things to our lives. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, we're all going to have people who hurt us, offend us, lie to us, do things to us. And so we have to learn how to forgive them. And it it's uh, sometimes difficult to forgive other people. It's easy to hold a grudge. But God doesn't want us to do that, right? And, you know, so... What hurts the most is it's when it's people that we love and care about that have hurt us. And we still have to learn to extend forgiveness. If you don't uh, have forgiveness in your marriage, your marriage is really going to struggle because your marriages are composed of two sinners coming together. And we're, we're going to hurt each other and wrong one another, and we have to learn to forgive one another. And same thing in, in the, with children. Children will hurt us. Sometimes we'll hurt them. And there's got to be forgiveness both ways. And if you hold on to sin and hold the sin of unforgiveness, it'll really eat at you and destroy a lot of relationships. So we looked at what forgiveness is. That was point number one. And uh, we noted that it was a, to means to send away, to grant as a favor, to dismiss. Secondly, we looked at how does God forgive? He forgives faithfully, completely, readily, purposefully. And last week we took I uh, just looked at one point here. How do we forgive others? And we do that uh, by, we have to first of all choose. We have to pray. We, we forgive through prayer. We went into that. And then we forget. We have to choose to forget. So, well, I can't forget. Well, we can. Forget. Forgetting is simply just changing our mind and what we're thinking about. So when those bad thoughts come back up, we have to change our thoughts and think about something else. That'll help us to forget. Then we have to learn to love those who uh, have wronged us. And then further, uh, we have to be kind. And the Bible goes into all those and we, we discussed those last week. Today, I want to look at point number four in the outline, if you have it. And here's the question. Am I obligated to forgive someone who does not repent and ask for forgiveness. Hmm. And here's the dilemma. That's a very good question. And we have it here. And the, the verse, a couple of verses we have here is, Take heed to yourselves. This is Luke 17, 3 and 4. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. So you say, yeah, right there. I rebuke him. If he repents, I forgive him. And so you say, if he doesn't repent, then I don't have to what? I don't have to forgive him. 
Well, let's continue here. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now, I know we're hitting a lot of different passages in this topical study. So we're not, we're, we're, ta- we're talking about the topic of forgiveness. We're not going through and, and really looking at everything that every verse has to say. Uh, a lot of things could be said about this passage. You know, the idea, if thy brother trespass against thee. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, right? Uh, and so what do you do? Rebuke him. Now that word rebuke, sometimes rebuke can be a pretty harsh thing. Sometimes it can be a, a matter of admonishing and just approaching and saying, hey, what about this? And that's the case in this passage. Um, and then it says, and if he repent, so we do have, uh, we do have steps we can take. If someone has wronged us, we can in the right way, right? Galatians chapter six, and there's a spirit of humility approach people. It, don't take this verse and say, and again, I can't take time to teach everything about every verse that we cover, but you can't just take this verse and say, well, the Bible says I'm going to go rebuke him and say, brother, what on earth did you do to me? You were, and you get in their face. That's not the pa- meaning of this passage. And you go with that attitude, chances are he's not going to repent. Because you didn't come with a good attitude. But I'm just doing what the Bible said. Well, you study it a little bit more and you'll see. Uh, but there is this idea that we, we should be able to approach people and talk to them about matters and hopefully they repent. Well, the question again is what if they don't repent? Because this passage says, if they repent, you forgive them. Well, certainly, if they repent, you forgive them. That's a, that's a given. But if they don't repent, it doesn't say that if they don't repent that you don't forgive them. It doesn't say that, first of all. Uh, these verses might lead us to believe that we only have to forgive if the offender repents. But remember, that's not the main point of the passage What's the main point of the passage? Jesus was teaching um, that we must be willing to continue to forgive. That's the point. He stressed it's not something that we do just one time. We must be Christ-like and forgive like God forgives. Uh, Also, it's interesting, um, another lesson to learn, I think, is that uh, if someone does the same bad thing to you seven times in a day, and each time they come and say, hey, I repent. Do you think they really repented? If they did the same thing, bad thing to you seven times, hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And Probably, I'm just guessing, that they might not have actually repented in the first place. Because the repentance means there's a change of mind. You're you're planning to go in a different direction. And so just because they say they do re- repent doesn't mean they have. And the point, again, of the passage is you just continue to forgive them regardless of what they do. You say, oh, but that's not easy. We've said this over and over again. This is not easy. Okay? But we're to offer forgiveness whether they repent or not. So that we, we get to the solution here. We've we got to remember that forgiveness is not earned, it's granted. As far as in our 
personal relationships. As we look at other passages, it's pretty clear, and some of these passages we've seen uh, in the previous couple of weeks here, uh, it's clear that we're to forgive even when someone has not repented. Certainly, if they repent, we're supposed to forgive. But there are people who have repented, and you, you and I still want to hold a grudge against them. We have to forgive them, okay? Paul's teaching here in, in Romans twelve twenty. Uh, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. So these are people who have not repented and sought forgiveness. How do you know that? Because they're enemies. (laughs) They're still actively going against you. And so you must still treat them kindly and and extend forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So that little word there that we're supposed to forgive if we have a quarrel against any. Any including people who have not repented. And we have Jesus' example and in Luke 23, 34, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. So when he's uh, getting ready to be crucified, and this is how they're treating him, the people were preparing to crucify him. So in their preparations to crucify him, had they repented? No. They're, they're actively trying to kill him. They haven't repented and Jesus is uh, extending this forgiveness. So it's our duty to forgive and be kind regardless if they've repented, regardless if they want to even receive that forgiveness. So I hope that helps a little bit. Let's move on to the next question. And this kind of goes along with this. How long do I forgive someone for the same thing? Okay, they've done the same thing over and over and over and over to me. Do I have to forgive them? Yes. Okay, so uh, we already looked at Luke 17, 3 and 4. Similar passage is Matthew 18, 21 and 22. And Jesus said this to Peter. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Now, Uh, some of the rabbis in that day taught that you only had to forgive three times. Whoa, hey. So Peter may have been thinking, you know, I'm really going above and beyond here. And, you know, the rabbis, some of the rabbis say only three times, but I'm willing to tell the Lord, hey, should I do it seven times? And by by the way, seven's the number of completion. So he's, he's really thinking probably that this is, he's got the right answer. You know, he's going above and beyond. He's got the number of completion. It's like, so, seven times, Jesus? Um, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Oh, man, I don't think that was the answer he was looking for, right? Jesus made it clear that we're supposed to continue to forgive. Now, Seven, 70 times 7 doesn't mean you count up to 490 times that they've done something wrong against you and then 
you stop forgiving, that the whole idea is you continue to forgive. So we'll go back to that thing where, where someone does something wrong to you seven times in a day and they repent, whether it's an actual repentance or a quote-unquote repentance, you still forgive them. Seven times in a day. All right? Now, I want to... This has more ramifications and implications. So I want to get to point number six. You see how quickly we did that? Had to make up time somewhere, right? Uh, (laughs) Points four and five, man, we just covered like that. Point number six, pretty quick too. Here's the question. Is there a difference between forgiveness and restitution? Yes. There is a difference between forgiveness and restitution. All right, so let's take this, um, go back to the situation. Say you've got, uh, you've invited someone over your house and they stole something from your house. And then the next day, you let them come into your house again and you've forgiven them and they steal, and they haven't even repented, they haven't even returned the thing. And they, they come to your house the next day and they steal something again. get in your medicine cabinet and take all those pills or they find a little stash of cash somewhere or whatever. They, 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 and then day number three, you have them come over again and they steal from you again. You, ah, oh, I forgive you. And they haven't even asked for forgiveness. They haven't even repented. And let's say that this happens seven times. I have a question for you. Why did you let them back into your house? You're supposed to forgive him, but he hasn't repented. What on earth are you doing allowing that unrepentant attitude and behavior to continue? It's just a visitor. Maybe it's a friend, not good friend. You know, we're not talking like someone in your home where, okay, you did something wrong again, you're out of my house. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about, you know, we have to use our brains a little bit too. Okay? We're not supposed to be a doormat, uh, in that sense. We, there, there is a difference between forgiving. Yes, I forgive you, but you haven't changed your ways. You, you're not coming into my house again. So, well, that's mean. No, I've forgiven him. So, well, prove it. Well, I'm not holding it against them. You say, you are holding it against them because you're not... No, I'm using my brain because uh, there's no reason for them to come into my house and let me let them steal from me again. Okay? There's a difference between forgiving someone and restoring and everything just being perfectly fine hunky-dory. Some things aren't going to be perfectly fine hunky-dory, whatever that means, uh, until you have that there's a, a, a sense of repentance. Right? And you've got kids in your home and the, 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 you know, the kids are just absolute terrors and they want all the, the privileges and blessings and they don't want to change their ways and then they come and say, hey dad, can I have 20 bucks? This is some activity I want to go to. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that's not happening. Uh, you want this good relationship. Uh, let's deal with your problem. Yeah, I forgive you, but you have to have some repentance if you want this 
good, close relationship going on here. You say you're contradicting. I'm not. I hopefully a little bit more of this will, as we go into it will, will be helpful. Forgiveness should be granted regardless of whether the guilty person, the guilty party, repents or not. It's an act of our will. We've already gone through all those verses on, on that. So, but restitution is, is contingent upon that guilty party's repentance. So if someone hurts you, you are responsible to forgive them. But that close fellowship is probably not going to be restored until there is repentance. Um, let's look at an example of this. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Just something I noticed out of this passage. I know it's a parable, and, and you know I'm not trying to build all sorts of doctrine on a parable. I have another example that we can look at here too. Uh, but it, it is an, an interesting thought. Uh, we've got the prodigal son and the father here. We're in Luke chapter 15. And beginning in verse 17, of course, this prodigal son, he's gone, lived a horrible life, took, you know, took his inheritance early and just left his, his, his family and brought shame to the family name, all of that. Verse 17, and when he, the prodigal, came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. He says, I'm sitting here eating pig's food. And my, ser- my father's servants lived better than this. And he said in verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So this is his plan. I'm going to go and tell my father this, and not just so he can get a little bit of food, but he was actually showing signs of repentance that I was wrong. I'm not even worthy to be your, your, your son. Can I just be like a hired servant? Just treat me that way. So that's his plan, verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was great, yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So his dad meets him. His dad sees him. He's happy he's coming home. And he shows him love and kindness. We talked about that before, didn't we? Isn't that showing that he has what? He has forgiven him. He, he's, he's willing to love him. It's interesting, though, um, verse number 21 and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. The father had forgiven him when he came, but it, just something I noticed out of here, it was only after the son's confession that the father restored him with the family favor of the robe and the shoes and the family ring. Uh, Forgiveness, yes. Restitution came after the confession. I think it's a pretty good picture there. Uh, Another example, if you would go with me to Genesis chapter 44. 
Genesis 44, is Joseph and his brothers. We've mentioned those, those guys before, but I think it's worth seeing uh, something here. In Genesis 44, we know his brothers treated him terribly. They plotted to kill him. They sold him as a slave. He rose to power. His brothers came and begged food from him. Uh, he knew them. He, he recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. He disguised himself and spoke in different language. And he still, though, showed kindness to them because they were his brothers and his family. And he, in that sense, doesn't say it, but you can see he extended forgiveness. If we compare what the other scriptures say, he, he's loving them in that way. He's showing kindness to them. Did he have to? No. He did test them. Yes, he tested them. Uh, but he didn't reveal himself until he saw some repentance. Now, before, brothers weren't really concerned about what their dad felt or thought. They, they weren't concerned about breaking their father's heart when they sold Joseph as a slave and took that coat of many colors and tore it all up and put some blood on it and brought it back to their dad and said, Hey, is this your son's? Well, we found it out there. And they're, they're seeing their dad weeping and wailing and, and be, refusing to, to be comforted. And, and they didn't care about dad one bit. However, things have changed. Now, part of this test was he, was, he set it up and kind of set up Benjamin to look like he was guilty of something. And he's going to hold Benjamin back because that's his blood brother from the same mother. And he's, he's ready to keep Benjamin and send the other guys back. He was, he was going to send them away with food for the families. He's still showing that forgiveness. But there's no restitution there because he doesn't see any repentance yet. Right? And so he finally does. If we pick it up here. Um, so in, in verse number 27 of chapter 44... So this is Judah speaking, and, and thy servant, he's talking to Joseph, thy servant, my father, said unto us, ye know that my wife bare me two sons, and, and the one went out from me, and I said, surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And if you take this, meaning Benjamin, also from me, and mischief befall him, ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now, therefore, I, when I come to thy servant, no, he's, he's talking, he's switching back, he's talking to Joseph again, saying, when I come back to my, thy servant, my father, and the lad, Benjamin, be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass, when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die, and thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. So now he's showing some concern for his dad. He said, for thy servant, he's talking about himself now, became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, I will bring him not, uh, if I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant, talking about himself, abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord. He says, I'll take his place. You, you think that he was guilty of something, let him go. I'll stay here. Uh, as a bondman, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how 
shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me. Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. He's showing that he's not trying to paint a picture of repentance. He is repenting. He cares for his dad now. And he is willing to take his brother's place and become a servant, a slave there. So his brother can go free. And Joseph had held him, you know, held his identity back. But now, chapter 45, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made him known, uh, made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud in the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, and I always get, it just gives me like shivers every time I hear, I am Joseph. Can you imagine what those brothers were thinking? It's like, uh, who? I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Yeah, because they feel guilty. I thought we killed you. I thought we sold you as a slave. And now we're like bowing down to you. So this is a beautiful picture of repentance and forgiveness. He had forgiven him, them. He had shown love and kindness to them. But once they repented, he revealed himself, and that, re- that, that relationship was restored. There needs to be repentance before there's actual restitution. So there's a difference between forgiveness and restitution. We forget, we're supposed to forgive everybody, but it's kind of hard that everything's just going to be A-OK, and we can act like nothing's happened until there's some repentance. So... There's a lot to this thing, I know, and it's not easy. It's complicated, life's complicated. But I hope that some of these things that we talk about will be helpful to you in your relationships. And next week, hopefully we can get seven and eight accomplished here. Uh, what if we don't forgive someone? That's what we'll cover next week, so that's important. Father, we thank you for your word and the instruction you